This is a niche radio podcast. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or log into www.nicheradio.co.za. Amori, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Happy thank to you be for with having you, us. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Just to load on how we know each other. <laughs> yeah, because she was laughing about it earlier when yes. I had a look. You know. um, we actually met each other last, about three years ago. Was yes. it at Trio Cafe? Yes. You had a green, in green side. side. And then we started chatting, and believe it or not, our family actually our went friends. to our family and friends went to varsity yeah. together yeah. because your mother and my aunt, aunt. is very good yes. friends, and you come from Correct. Or, originally. Exactly. Okay. I can't remember what happened. I think it was my mother saw come jo- come wine with you, me come wine with me on my Facebook page and said to me, but that's Sybil, I know Sybil's aunt, I know Sybil's family. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and what, weren't you in a picture with me? And then your mum was Yes, so we actually did our pictures afterwards. Yes, and then... And then she... You, someone was like, it. but he saw a seamount. I know this person. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. yeah so yeah, well, South Africa is disconnected, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows everyone. Yeah, Joburg, I feel, is more connected than... You think? Most, yeah. I mean, everyone in Cape Town knows each other, I guess, too. But also, I haven't lived there for a long time. Cape Town knows Cape Town. <laughs> People from there's outside know that. Joburg knows everybody. <laughs> That's one of those. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But, but tell us, how did you all get into the food industry? I mean, um, up porch. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, this, like, it is, it's the same story. It sounds so generic. But, I mean, my grandmother cooks. My mother cooks. Yeah. Um, I come from a really big farm. Or my, my grandmother used to have a really big farm where she had underneath a, a farmhouse, big, big farmhouse, she had her own dairy and her own um, butchery. Yeah. And um, uh, not a cannery. They would make preserves and jams yeah. and things and sweeties and biscuits and many many things and all the things that they produced under the house she was in charge of the entire um properties workers so all the wives or most of the wives of the workers on the farm would work with her and she would make their make they would make themselves and biscuits would be made jams would be made cream amazing the meat the, the meat was slaughtered, yeah, everything. And everything was slaughtered once a week they were slaughtered cows and sheep and pigs and things and everyone came to pick up their meat and they um, maize meal and their cream and their butter and their jam and their biscuits for the week, and that's just how. That's how it started. That's. I mean, so we when we were little. So what, where were you involved? We so when we were young, sixty were sixteen cousins, and when we were young, <laughs> my parents who are um, three daughters and a brother my, from my mom's side used to drop all of us off at my grand's house in December, all of us at once. <laughs> And so my, you were all 16 years. Yeah. yeah. And then my grandmother would obviously just be like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> and then just push us into one of the little shops. So we would either be, and there was also a little, like a, like a, a kafirki, like a, what is Cafe. it called? Like a supermarket. Yes. There was also a supermarket. Yeah. So you'd get, either get pushed into the supermarket or the butchery or. She's and, and, and she's just like, leave. <laughs> and then she will tell whoever you're in charge, they must teach how to learn, teach them how to make biscuits or whatever. So. We did all of this. And That's incredible. We're actually two chefs in the family. Um, I think I, my other cousin did, stopped chefing, but I mean she went to chefy school. Yeah. So I think she started, she worked for 10 years and then she had babies. But you also went to chefy school. Yes, but I then continued to work. She worked for, I think, a couple of years and then had babies and then was like, no. No, no. Babies don't work with this industry. <laughs> yeah, more Not if you want to be That's taken That's a term, something we can go into detail in about no. later, but no. for now it's you. So, so no, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so then you were there, you went to school or something? Obviously, yeah. And then um, when I was 13, I wanted to go to uh, 
in a apartment cooking school. Ah. And uh, my name was up for the list and everything. And then when I was 18, I met through a friend of my mother, someone that went to Silver Kitchens. And I researched it a bit. No, I was 17. I was 17. Oh, so no, no, no. no, no. In, then it was in a part month. No, oh, and then I did research on Silverwood. And yeah. I was like, well, they are the best. Yeah. That is where I want to go. Okay. And I had to change some to change some school subjects and stuff. And then I um, went for my three interviews and I got in. Fantastic. And, and how long was that? And then Silverwood is three yeah. years. Three yeah. years, Gordon Bleu. Finished that. And then I started working in restaurants. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Overseas, local? I mean, I've never worked overseas in restaurants. I've only worked local. Yeah. Uh, but I've worked everywhere. I mean, to list them is... I've is, worked in... Just tell us a few. Canada. Um, <laughs> just straight out of college, I went to La Colombe. I was at La Colombe for a while. Then I was at the SpongeBob River Cafe for a while. Then I was at Kelvin Grove, which is the Joburg Country Club. Then I came up to Joburg. I like, then I opened Hoi in Paris. Really? Yeah, but I was too young. I was 20. Mm, I thought I was amazing. <laughs> what is that um, the effect where you, um, only when you're in an industry for 10 years do you actually realize you know absolutely nothing? nothing. No, I agree. For the first 10 years, you're like, I am a chef, buy a donkey. 10 years later, you're like, oh my God, I know nothing about food. I don't I absolutely agree with nothing. you. But there's actually, there's actually a term for it. I forget the term. But um, I was very young. But I mean, I did it. Also, the other thing about it, though, you're so brazen with your flavors because you mm. give zero mm. about people. I used to cook completely differently. Not that I, I'm, I'm not as adventurous, I think, is the word. Now you have to, you know, you've got a big business. You need to keep, keep, some, you need to keep people happy also. It's not yes. just about what you want to cook. Mm. Luckily for us at Fanalino, we've got the dinner menu, which we can play a little harder on than lunch and breakfast. But at Oipaloi, I used to just cook food. And mm. the most ridiculous combinations and just do, I, at a stage I had oysters with white chocolate and wasabi. <laughs> I know it sounds gross, it was delicious. <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> and um, anyway, so you, and the way that we presented food and it was just, now you're a little bit more. So cognizant, I think. Yeah, cognizant, I guess, of what people want and how much it's costing you. and what oh, Why did you think your flavors adapted with stuff? Besides that, you... You, when you run a business, it works like, like your, your mind becomes business oriented, not only just look at all my fun ingredients, I'm going to spend them all. But you must also understand it's a business, I must make money, I must pay my staff salaries if I don't. Have, the business doesn't make money, they all lose their jobs. And we, you know, it's just, I think it's, yeah, it's the nature of the beast. Mm. But look, we still, like I said, we still do beautiful food, but you can't, I'm not as extravagant as I was. Also, we're in Linden. No, but I love Linden. And I love being in, like, in the northern suburbs. I, I really don't mind it. But Linden is not as adventurous of a suburb as if you open a restaurant in Rosebank. In Rosebank or... So we do also um, have a lot of clients that come in. So we do this. We have a little bit of destination. Excuse me. A little bit of destination. We've got a lot of people from Northcliffe and Ilovo and stuff. They come through and they're regulars. But... It's not the day-to-day Rosebank Sandton crowd who will try chocolate and oysters mm. and wasabi. No, I get it. <laughs> yeah. But they are traveling here now. They, they are now. So, yeah, we've... we've yeah, it's I mean, we we been hosting our Altu event with you. Yes, that's true. And we were sold out within a week. Oh, so 140 people. So we've gotten, people a lot of, we've, gotten a, yeah, we've gotten a lot of publicity in the last, I would say, six months. No, that's amazing. Yeah. But what would you say is your really makes or breaks a restaurant? In order. If there's one thing, I know that we we often speak Obviously about produce. Obviously, stock control. Yeah, stock control. 
stock control. This, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but stock control. I mean, it is your money. It's what you're selling. And if you also, if you don't look at it, look after it properly, mm -hmm. and if you don't count it and make sure, you know, it's just stock control Prod and quality of produce. Because if you don't look after your produce, you don't have good stock control, mm -hmm. your produce will be up to shit and you won't be able to sell mm -hmm. nice food. I think stock, obviously stock, but also the people are against the people. But the scenes changed a lot in Johannesburg yeah, regarding true. food. I'm yeah. sorry, because I came here about, well, seven years ago yeah. and up and down, starting to commuting, come, come wine with us and now come join us and everything. And it's changed a lot. It I've is. seen that restaurants open up. It's not just more, no offense, I always call it butternut and creamy spinach anymore. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I want it's, to say, we, we call it something else, but I don't think we'll put that on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> we we just we name one of those brands that's a chain and we're like mm, those people. <laughs> yeah, but you get but what you're I'm right. Saying, it's butternut yeah. and chicken mayo tramezzini. Yes, exactly. Chicken mayo tramezzini. That's very nineties, by the way. Estonia. <laughs> we're talking about nineties earlier. Yes. A few products. So. Chicken mayo. Yeah, but it is. You're right. So a lot of uh, single standing restaurants have opened. Alone standing, many of them. There's also still a lot of chains, but a lot more people. A lot of people, I mean, I hate that word with a passion, but a lot of people in Joburg have become more foodie. And I hate the word, and I know all my chef's friends hate the word. You know, it's word, actually but... to someone's de to your detriment. I've been chatting to people in Cape Town, and they've been telling me how hectic it's become. The clients come in there that's got social, that's into social media, yeah. can, can, you know, can ask about anything. And I mean, for example, dietary requirements. There yeah. are so many dietary requirements these days. How do you keep up with that? I mean, no, no, as no, a no, kitchen. No. no, it's horrible. I mean, it's horrible. Look, yeah, we do it. Planning. It's very difficult. It is incredibly difficult. I have in my kitchen, each of my junior sous are in charge of a section on the vegan menu because we have a separate vegan menu, which we have not have to have, but would be, which we decided to make. And um, your clients are asking for it. We've got but a lot of kitchens. South African Vegan York. Association come here often, and they buy Joburg based, so it's nice for them. They, and I think about I think about vegan food and dietary requirements with like gluten free and that kind of stuff. People don't um, chefs or restauranteurs. Not saying everybody, but they don't care a lot about it. They won't take go the extra like mile. We've got by, 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 um, for example, we have. A vegan, gluten-free, um, what is it called? B uh, pear and almond cake. Yes, I've tasted it. Oh before. my god, it is incredible. I know it is incredible. <laughs> and you I'm wouldn't think that. No. that it's gluten-free and vegan. vegan. Everything. We have so and many people who come here you know? and eat it, and it took us. We we took like five or six recipes and tweaked, tweaked, and tweaked, and tweaked, and tweaked. It wasn't moist enough. Wasn't moist enough. Anyway, we eventually got there. But the thing is. You can actually make really good food for vegans and vegetarians. I mean, I don't... But I don't planning, food, but planning, plan. planning, planning, planning. And you have to, your mise en place has to be right. Totally. you got to... And someone has to be in charge of it. Like I said, my junior sous are in charge of it. And they each have their thing that they do. And if it wasn't for them... Because my, my... Also, my kitchen won't necessarily understand. as Because we, we flip from breakfast to lunch, from lunch to dinner. And now you've seen the size of my kitchen. It's not like I run... A giant Michelin restaurant. Yeah. Michelin. Michelin. Michelin, Michelin kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I read this thing this morning about how South Africans are like, I have no respect for Michelin because we don't understand how the rating works. Anyway, I'm not, I don't think they talk about us. I think they talk about the foodies. <laughs> the Tramazini Sharons. I hear it. Bottomless coffee, Tramazini Sharon. <laughs> 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 
I'm not I love that city. In a mall. In a mall. In a mall. So our kitchen is really small. So it is. Diff- you're right. It's super difficult. As soon as breakfast is over, yeah. we pack everything into the walk-ins, and lunch comes out. And as soon as lunch is over, we do exactly the same thing. And I mean, it is. It's planning. It's a mission. It's not easy. Yes, I wish it. my kitchen was three times the size. No. That would have been amazing. But that. You but what you're getting stars. out of it, you you sometimes can't believe, eh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was looking at the one dish we're making for the for the altar thing, which is the lamb tails that we're going to taste. Yeah. I cannot believe that the amount of slow cooking that happens in my kitchen. I don't know where it happens. I have no <laughs> idea where food cooks for eight hours. On my winter menu, I've got like six things that cook for eight, eight hours. hours. I have no idea where the staff are doing it <laughs> and when it's happening. I just taste it afterwards and I'm like, yeah, no, yes, no. Oh, no. I have no idea where they did it. <laughs> because so, so do you write all your menus? Everything. Yeah. Then you write your recipes because I know you're hectic about like you yeah, said, I'm, quality I'm very control. Everything. So we just flipped our dinner menu for winter. Um, it takes me about. Look, it depends. I think it's any creative job. It takes me a while. It takes me about a month, maybe two, to create a menu. Easy to create two dishes and on the fly every day. But the thing is, if you create two every day, by the time you get to day ten, you hate number one. And two. <laughs> you're like. Oh my god, what was yeah. I thinking? That's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's lame. No, yeah. it won't work. But also, as a chef, you need to also, I mean, we taste with our mind. How do we explain it? I can put it on a piece of paper and I know it'll work or it won't work. Most of the time. <laughs> I, think, I think most of So every now and again, you eat with some acidic thing or something that you're mm. like, mm, that's dead. But <clears throat> yeah, I write the menu and then I write all the recipes. It gets input into and then we cook them out, obviously. And once we've decided on the menu, all the recipes go into the system. And then we start running it. We stop awesome. runs. Are you thinking of doing a recipe book one day? Yeah, we are thinking about that. We're thinking, not, we're thinking of doing a recipe book slash coffee table book. Yeah. About us and all our suppliers, because we've got yes. really cool suppliers. Tell us about your suppliers. What um, makes them so unique? So my favorite supplier, I mean, obviously I've got very expensive meat suppliers and beautiful things like that, but my favorite suppliers of the two that I have, oh, well, many that I have, is Wendy, who makes our butter, is this Omar in Machalisberg. It comes from Omar. That's it's like it's like Omar but it's plausible there. <laughs> like, it's not butter, but yeah, it's not cut butter. It is a massive difference. It is little cows that hang around and eat the actual grass, and butter, our butter is incredible. So, I've tasted your butter. Yes, I know it's delicious. Butter. And that's one, she's one of my favorites. And she does, does it just her. She does only she butter. Her, she only does butter. She does, oh, she, but she's so, retired, semi-retired. But that's what the point is. She makes butter for us. And her and I worked on the salt content and we worked on the fat content together. And we decided, I think it took us about four batches to get to, okay, this is, we have this. is the butter we want. And this is the butter she makes for us. Anyway, but we get so many, but it's just our butter is incredible. We get so many compliments. I know your butter's good. And then we have a... I'm going to have some wine. Yeah, so you want some wine? Then we have a... Let's have a cab. Our veggie suppliers are called yeah. Andile and Andile. And it's all, it's, well, the company's called A Plus Foods. Where are they from? So this is the coolest thing. So my sous chef, Reno, um, used to work at a restaurant in Melville, and he was having a beer with these two guys from UCT. UCT? No, UJ. Sorry, UJ. And um, cheers. Oh, he's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like a... I mean, I'll do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is I'm like a cab. Yeah, the cab's and my favorite. 
he was chatting to these guys and his veg supplier was late and he was moaning to the veg supplier on the telephone. And these guys are like, what, so what does the veg supplier do? Well, well, after a look, I don't know how many beers they had before this conversation started, <laughs> but anyway, this is the story. And he explained to them why he goes to the market or to the farms out in Ojalis and Artis and picks up my baby herbs and thingies and thingies, delivers it. And the boys are like, oh, we'll do that for you. And they started doing Hell's Kitchen. They then did La Santa Muerte. They then did Lonely Arts Club. They then did us. We were their biggest client until I gave their number to David Higgs. And he's now start, tried them twice for Marvel. And he gave the number to, um, what's her name? Tasha's. To Tasha. Oh, they're not doing three Tasha's. They're doing UJ. They're doing three restaurants and four or five restaurants in Melville. They're doing That's us. Insane. And it's in a question of a year. They have grown. Huge. Now they're awesome, huge. And they both quit studying now, which I told them was a bad idea because they were both students. But it's such an awesome story of local guys who, because, I mean, big suppliers, you know, un- unreliable. Totally. Unreliable. Don't have fridge refrigeration. Arrives with wilted stuff. You have to send half the letters back. You get angry. You shout like a crazy person. <laughs> then you have to go to Woolworths to go fetch the stock because you don't have enough stock. And they, from the get-go, bought a little fridge truck. And they did it right. And then they bought two or three little fridge trucks. And now they've got three. And now they've got... It's, it's the story. I like the story. No, it's a fantastic story. It's a fantastic story. No, it's like a communal team it's, it's, effort it's, it's, of it's, people putting it together. Yes, let's make local work. Like yeah. Joburg. And he drives... To, and we get our baby herbs from, let's just say, Lanceria and Machalis and all those things. So it's not like super far from us. And, and it's, it's my, those two are my favorites. The butter because it's delicious and Andile and Andile's story. And the, they're both Andile. And the one is like super tall and the other one is super short. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's, a, yeah, cool it's an awesome story. Yeah. yeah. And they only deliver to restaurants. That's all they do. All they do. That's fantastic. Well, of course, they've got how many now? Over 10, you said. Yes. And in, in two years, I've built it that big. Look, I mean, obviously, it wasn't now easy. Now it's a full-time thing. Yeah. It's exactly why they both quit Where studies. Yeah. Where do you draw your inspiration from? Oh, no, where else? Everything. You travel often? Someone you... else asked me that the other day too. Everywhere. Traveling. Um, like everywhere. You know when you're sitting... I was explaining... So I did... On my new dinner menu, we've got this um, roasted mushroom oyster with a sherry butter, pine nuts, and parmesan. Like beautiful three-year-old granite. It's super simple, but also my food is going, well, I have food everywhere is going simpler, but I'm like four, three ingredients, four ingredients, that's it. Mm. As soon as it comes to complicated, obviously not a, a thing that's slow cooked, I get slow cooking. But anyway, um, I was sitting at Yvonne Short's house and she made, no, I lied. Jenna, her daughter, came home from the market and she had oyster, king oysters like this. And I'm like, what is that for? Because we're having Indian curry day. Everyone made an Indian curry, and she comes home with two oyster oh, mushrooms like this. I'm like, what's the point of it? No, she couldn't eat them. They were so beautiful. So I thought, I'm like, I think they're going to be chalky. We're like, whatever, okay, but let's eat them because we've got them. So we just literally just put them on the braai, and there was garlic butter from the night before, and we just brushed it with garlic butter, and we ate like half of it, and then we're like, oh, you know what we should do? We should put some cheese. I was like, we need something sharp. This is not too rich. And I put that on, and then... I came to the shop and I perfected it and we've got baby oysters and we now smoke them and then we, we grill them in the charcoal oven and we've got the sherry butter and then the beautiful three-year-old, beautiful, beautiful cheese. Stunning. Um, From everywhere. You know, it's when you're Oma you've got the lamb tails that's on the menu. I also. know, I love that. It's so Afrikaans, it's stupid. Dough. No, but... Like people don't eat it anymore. But they don't know it. 
But Remember, it used to be a very big thing. Yes, but things have sort of starved out. If no, you that's get what true. I'm saying. Yeah, if sorry, courses, if they don't keep it alive, it's not there. Yeah, if, if sorry, courses are keeping it alive, who is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If but there's not a Malfa pudding, oh, ooh, I saw a Grenadada Malfa pudding in the sorry course the other day. I mean, oh, I thought, yeah. that sounds lovely, not for winter, but it sounds lovely. Yeah, but I, I like the old school stuff, like a typical great biscuit. And a so, typical, yeah. you know, yeah. that stuff. Oh my, coffee to cookie. Or a coffee cookie, yes. <laughs> or, a, or even those ones that you made that the the tunny made. You made cookies every year at Christmas in time, the, no. and you ordered it in. You don't find that. Not many vit icing. Totally. Any white icing? Many cha- cherry. Any any, cherry. Any vanilla? Oh, oh, yeah. You still like those guns that they had? Where but, they so made this them is exactly with. what we were doing in my grand's house. So. It, the big kitchen, which was the size of this space that we're sitting in, not, no, much bigger. In my mind, grandmother's kitchen was a 20-seated table and then ovens and things yeah. around that. But it's Oplas, I said, you know. Yeah. And whoever was upstairs with, whoever they were upstairs with, so um, the parents would drop us off in the beginning of December, school to mark, like end of November, yeah. right? And then they would come for Christmas, and then after Christmas you'd go away with, so all the parents go overseas together or separate potatoes. And then they come at Christmas and we have Christmas and then you go to the ocean, up to uh, seaside holidays and things with your parents. And we used to sit and make those biscuits with the guns in the glacier cherry, but they would snow. So you can't put the whole one because it bleeds. Okay. We used to make those biscuits. Yes, I love those things. I still love them. I should talk to some of those at the restaurant. Yeah, but why don't you just make like a revamped one like that? That gives you, it doesn't need to be exactly that. It doesn't have to be the shape, it must be that mouthfeel. Can can I tell you a little bit of It's because of the corn flour. Exactly. (laughs) There's so many ingredients. So, there's a pudding that I used to make for my private chef. Yeah. You know what I used? Is that boy rose dyed instant vanilla pudding. pudding. But you have no idea how clients, I've cooked it for the who's who clients, and they absolutely love those desserts. Why? Because it had a nostalgic thing about that mother Mm. made, and everything like that. Nostalgia is such a massive thing in food. It really is huge. It's that thing of reminding you of something, how you felt. It's like wine. That's why they always say wine is alive, and a wine, there's no good or bad time to drink a bottle of wine. It's how you feel, who you with, what you drink. My mother-in-law is here with me, and uh, she said to me last night, I came home at 5 o'clock, I'm like, I'm having a glass of wine. She's like, oh, I have wine normally at 7 o'clock. I'm like, I will have wine at 10 (laughs) a.m. Whatever time I feel like I'm having a glass of wine, I'm having it. I don't care what the universe or what is the polite right way. Holiday time, but especially when you're already breakfasting I mean, with a exactly. beer. You're drinking champagne at nine. It's basically unbubbled wine. Yeah, just, you just add some orange juice and you feel not less bad about No, wine yourself. all the time. No, no problem with wine. But you're right, nostalgia is very big. But we should actually look into that a little bit because we are from Linda I mean, from Afrikaans but that's the thing and your I mean where did, your name where does it come from the name comes from the suburb that we're in so the guy who used to own the farm um, Linden back in the day many moons ago which was by for like but was a citrus farm which no one believes because we're just different part of South Africa yeah. to be growing citrus but it was, but obviously climate change and things. Um, it was this big citrus farm, and his name was Funder Linda. That's why it's called Linda in the suburb. And we took the name of the suburb. Fantastic. We couldn't have called ourselves Linden in Linda. No, no, yeah, that's just ob. <laughs> but it's cool. I, I think because it, it's got an Afrikaans nostalgia to it, and I think a lot of people don't understand it. But what's nice about it, they ask about it. Yes. At least, which is cool. 
Yeah. People do ask about it and everyone knows the story. Yeah. yeah. And tell me, food awards. What's it, your... Mm-hmm. Which, which country? Your, yeah, what, okay, let's, let's talk about... We are talking about Michelin now, but mm. let's start in South Africa. What do you think of it? What so, do you think... Do you think we can approach it a little bit different? What is... I think... What you say? Young, this is a touchy subject to put on the air. Okay? Tell us. So I, well, I feel about it. I think... Um, like we said earlier, Johannesburg doesn't get seen in the, well, the no. biggest awards in our country we know is the Eat Out Awards, we all know that. And Joburg doesn't get seen as much, even our fine dining restaurants, which we have beautiful ones. Are. No, I know it. And we've got incredible bistros, like my favorite place to eat is Faro and Ilovo. That man cooks incredible food. Very good. And he wasn't even mentioned. And he cooks incredible flippant, like it's just, it's, it, it's overlooked, Joburg is overlooked. I think... And maybe get some more of the spies and come to Joburg. I just think I just think the eat out has always been very Cape Town based, very Cape Town heavy. And we've got incredible chefs. I mean Chantal Dartnell. I mean she's one yes, best. She is uh, incredible. She won the what is it? The San Pellegrino best female, best female chef, chef in the world. world. But there's many many yeah, many awards. But this one. is San Pellegrino, yeah. which is one of the biggest ones. It's the one that Martinez went to um, be a mentor for the South African exactly. guy earlier last year. Um, and she also didn't, she hasn't ever gotten top number one. She was six. Who's, who, who, how is the best female chef in the world, according to an international competition, Sam Pellegrino, huge competition. And in South Africa, she's sixth. Wolfgart came third, and now they're number one in the other competition. Also, Wolfgart is presenting South Africa at um, yes, Taste of London. Taste of London. Did you see that? That's incredible. That's insane. Can I you just imagine? You flew that whole staff. That Can all I, of that's them. exactly what I saw on the, on the Instagram. All these chicks, like, but you can check, they've all lived in. No, they never even went out of Potternose. I had Layla Yellow level out of Potternose, and like, where are we going? Taste of London. <laughs> and it is one of the biggest food events yeah, yeah. in the world. No, it's incredible. It's, I was seeing how he was packing out. How much fun the, are they going to have? But they, they brought all their product with. It I traveled know, I with saw them it every, because I you saw, can't get it there. I mean, obviously. But they, they forage. Yeah, they forage everything. They, like, uh, what, what did I, but do it like Clip Blar? Which is actually like um, seaweed. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, and it does like a, a, a seaweed lasagna, which he always makes. It's incredible. And then he dries fish roe, yeah. like snook fish roe, yeah. and he crumbles it over it. Really, and he, it's incredible. I've been there three times. Basically, I got married there. I know that's that. how I that think I know. it was. We um, <laughs> so, we we have a we have also have seaweed on the menu, but we don't make a lasagna out of it. We just deep fry it. It's very impressive how he makes a lasagna with it. It makes a creamy base. And it's in between with this row on top. Oh God, it sounds delicious. And then my favorite yeah. is they take a, a, they take a, they call it a, a salt blar, okay. a salty leaf which has got little is it particles. Brined or is it? Got, no, it's got particles inside the leaf. That's now obviously it's not brine. It's a fresh one like this. And he puts a shavisha inside with watermelon and oh. edible flowers, and you have this happy of the sea. Oh. It is incredible. Yes, yes. No, it's really oh, the I'm upset that you got married. Yeah. <laughs> no one else can do it now. You've screwed yeah. it up for everybody. <laughs> it's so weird. It was, he was like, yeah, I'll do it for you. Just do 24 people. That's all I can take. And I, anyway, he only does one session in the afternoon. He only does one session in the evening. Mm. So he was open as a normal restaurant, but we had his full exclusivity. It was incredible. His yeah. wine list is so beautiful. Also of the areas and everything. But Who did anyways, he work before? Corb is trained with ICA as well. Mm. And then he worked actually, funny enough, is with Eat Out's online editor. 
and he did a lot of that and then he left that and went on his own and his mother owns Uprukuk. Okay. And then he started doing it on the side there. And we went to the first time to him at Ufakup, yeah. when he just started out. Then they got Wolfcott, which was an old little house. Yeah. Which they and then he started foraging. And then because then he took, he took yeah. the foraging. He's the only one in South Africa that does it incredibly well. No, he's, he is so talented. Yeah. And such a down-to-earth person. Really? Insane. Yeah, massive. No, he's, he's, he's very cool. Okay. But listen, enough about the West. Yeah, okay, about I want to talk that. about Joburg. <laughs> um, I think I think international awards. Um, we don't classify. We don't classify for Michelin, but also we. I don't think there's but any there's restaurant. Tell us a little bit more in detail about Michelin. Why can't we? I don't think there's a restaurant in South Africa that would be able to. So Jan got it. Sorry. Would be able to. Jan got, but Jan lives in a different country. Yeah. Okay, the chefs they are different. Chefs in South Africa. Or not, it's only becoming what well, became cool when we started, studied, I guess. And it's, it's no cool, not so cool anymore. Well, the coolness is there now. You have to have 17,000 tattoos. <laughs> God. You know, you have to have tattoos after you're not a sheepie. Like a veggie patch or whatever. No, but the thing is, I think, um, as you know, South Africa, we've got a lot of cheaper labor. Um, not because... We can we can employ I guess shapey school children, but there's not enough of them, and also there's people that need work, and it's all it's train anyway training, and it's not when you go to France and you open a restaurant that costs what Jan's restaurant costs to open with a kitchen that looks like that, you are employing prop. We're talking sous chefs throughout the board. I knew he took. Super good chefs from here. Super oh, really? executives. See, worked for Dal Air, all of them. And they so he took seniors with him to open. Yeah, no, he threw them in as he was building up his whole thing. Yeah. So he's got a lot of South Africans, but they can get in obviously the passports yeah. because he can justify because the type of meals. That they but the do. other thing is, oh yeah, but the other thing is also you're talking about the cream of the crop he took. Like you can't run. I'm telling you now, if you go to Dal Air, there's going to be. Six incredibly trained chefs no, and 20 normal people yeah. that work on the wine farm, that yeah. come from the farm. Yes. That have been taught how to make pasta beautifully. But, well, you know, because of repetition, repetition, oh my God, I can't even have to tell the comments. Just do it constantly, you'll get it. You'll get it. Everything except got knife skills when they walk in, they're like, chop, 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 chop. No, leave me. <laughs> You're going to chop your finger off. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I, he took the, it's different. It's different to South Africa. I don't think we've got the... We don't have the chefs. How many times have I told you I'm looking for chefs? No, no. I'm constantly Probably looking for chefs. Because all of the trained ones went overseas. They all leave. To be honest with you. All they got, to, I mean, Silwood, all Silwood stays in Cape Town. They get grabbed up. There's only like, what, 27 or 20 of them yeah. that graduate third year. They immediately. Well, ICA is also there, so they also have a few. They get immediately get taken up into the Cape Town foodness. I mean, Leon Tomlin now has how many restaurants? Jeez, I think four or five. Yeah. It's insane. Senior. No, as the student comes out, they're like, thank you. No. <laughs> I hear you. Oh, yeah. We don't get them here. Listen, Amori, we can chat the whole day. Was, I know, yeah, so you know, know we do it anyway. It, <laughs> it is so nice to chat to yes. you. And thank you for having us. Mm. We really look forward to yes. the end of July with so our all two events. Mm. And thank you for having us. Mm. Ching, ching. Cheers. For more, visit www dot niche radio dot co dot za